as I said, today we are talking about our core value of faith. And it's worded this way, achieving God's purposes means taking faith-filled risks. This always involves change. The classic, really, it's just, just, a, just a really classic passage on faith is from Hebrews 11 to the first part of Hebrews 12, where faith is defined for us, but then also explained to us through the lives of saints that have gone before us all the way up to Christ. I'm going to read this chapter in, in its fullness. Um, what I want you to notice as I read it is just what are, what are the themes of faith that you see as you, as you listen to this passage and read along at home? Um, it, it, it first, it defines what faith is, and then it talks about people that had faith. I want you to be thinking about what faith is. Uh, faith is perhaps a little bit hard to define because faith is kind of something that you do. Faith is kind of something that you do. So unlike, uh, unlike something that you can just describe by looking at it, like this is a car, here's the tires, there's the steering wheel, that's a car. Um, you know, faith is something that you do, and it comes from a place, the things you do come from a place of faith in your life. So um, as you can see, all of these stories about faith are things that people were doing and, and how they were living. It was kind of like an overall global part of who they were. Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were only foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 
Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I, I did not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. It's quite a passage as far as um, prose goes and and it's a beautiful passage, an inspiring passage. Uh, but, you know, Hebrews does offer us this definition of faith. It says in Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And as the passage goes on, from Abel to Abraham to Christ, it talks about people who lived in this way by faith. And Hebrews then makes this really bold statement that we can't seem to wiggle away from in 11.6, where it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is kind of a core concept 
of our walk with God. In fact, we call it our faith walk. We call it our faith. You know, this is a, the core of who we are as Christians, yet a very hard thing to define because faith is so, so much demonstrated in what she does in her actions. Uh, and it, it says, you know, wisdom is proven by her children, you know, and that saying from the Bible, but, you know, faith is proved by her children. Faith is proved by how someone lives their life. How someone chooses to live kind of shows whether they had faith or not as they lived. Um, there's this core understanding of faith uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, where it says, almost offhand, almost casualty, casually, um, that we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. A very casual kind of, kind of, uh, kind of comment. But this is what we are to be characterized by as children of God, people that live by faith, people that are joining in the cloud of witnesses and waiting for a better city. So what is living by faith about? And why do we believe that taking faith-filled risks is so fundamentally important? Let's try to bring this out of the abstract realm into a more particular kind of, kind of uh, language and talk about it. According to my understanding of Scripture and my experience of walking with God, I have defined faith in this way. Faith is living your whole life out of active trust in God's character and his promises. Faith is living your whole life out of active trust in God's character and his promises. From daily small decisions that you seemingly can control, all the way up to the big picture situations, such as death and disease and safety, these things that we can't always control. Um, that faith is living your whole life from small to big, have active trust in God's character and his promises. We have to believe that he exists, it says in Hebrews, and that he rewards those who seek him. We have to believe certain things about God through our lives in order to have faith. Not just that there is a God, but that he is a good God and a just God who is interacting with us, rewarding, with, rewarding us, strengthening us, helping us. Um, it's, it's a specific thing. Faith is supposed to be the opposite of sight. Because when you live by sight, you can actually somewhat see the goal of your vision, which inspires you forward. You can kind of see it in your life. You can see the, the fruit happening. You can move along with it. And you can maintain some sense of control. But when you live by faith, you're taking action based on your hope in God, in his existence, his character, and his word to you both in Scripture and as, he, as His Spirit speaks to you. Because I know that God's Spirit has spoken some hard things to some of you, to all of you probably, where He's called you to something that was greater than something you can control, and you had to kind of avail yourself to that. And you had to say, I'm going to walk by faith because I don't, I don't see how this is going to work. And you took steps. But, you know, living by faith, it's kind of the opposite of living by sight. Because... Faith, you're taking action based on your hope. You're sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see, according to Hebrews 11.1. 1, and so you're moving forward based on your belief in God's character. Faith is living your whole life out of active trust in God's character and God's promises. It's almost a struggle to try to explain and talk about faith uh, 
but I'm, I'm going to keep on trying. I'm going to keep on going with this. You know, living by sight is so natural. Um, and living by, living by sight, I mean, we have to be wise. We have to be well-informed. We have to um, look at things, and God gave us that gift. We shouldn't be irresponsible. Uh, but living by, by sight is such a natural thing for us. From the time we're young, we live by sight. We, we look and we see what we need, and we go and we get it, you know, that kind of thing uh, with our eyes. But living by faith, it's largely unnatural to us. It's living, living by faith is largely something that doesn't come easily to us uh, because we're such sight people. And apart from the Holy Spirit's work in our life and the presence of God with us, you know, I think it's, it'd be impossible to really walk by faith, but by God's grace and by his spirit, we're able to do it because it's largely unnatural. It's cultivated by the Holy Spirit in you. And when you live by faith, you often do things, or, or sometimes you do things that do not make sense to people around you. It might not even make sense to you. It might not even make sense to you. And you do those things based on your core conviction about God's character and his promises to you, whether they are the big biblical promises that can apply to any believer or the promises that the Holy Spirit has made to you and the, the assurances that he's given you. Um, you're, you're living based on your core conviction about God's character and his promises. If you live by faith, you're often going to go against the grain of the world in which we live based on your hope in God's character and your trust in his promises. And it sounds like almost a rebellious kind of thing. And I think that sometimes people, people are accidentally living in rebellion but calling it faith. That happens sometimes. Now, people that are really living by faith do not have a spirit of rebellion. They don't. God hates the spirit of rebellion. Um, God deals with the spirit of rebellion. It's not helpful to have a rebellious streak in you that's just constantly pushing and, and, and bucking authority, right? But some people, they live in rebellion and they call it faith. It's not faith. Faith-filled people are not rebellious. They are submitted. They are completely submitted to God. And they, yes, they might go against the grain, but they go against the grain because they're following God in submission to God, the ultimate act of submission, following God in all things. So when, when we read a passage about the, the, the apostles and Peter in Acts 5.29, the Sanhedrin commands Peter and the apostles not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And they make the, Peter makes a statement, we must obey God rather than men in Acts 5.29. But you have to understand, this, this was not an act of rebellion, against the Sanhedrin. It was an act of submission to God by the Holy Spirit. It was walking in faith and boldness. And I imagine that this, this boldness and this faith and this act of submission to God that Peter was exerting here was with tears, you know? Um, I'm sure it wasn't easy. But you do see in the Bible, you know, sometimes people go against the grain of the authorities. It's not because they're rebellious, it's because they're submitted to God and they have to, God's word has to override but sometimes, you know, I think this is an important point to be made concerning faith. Sometimes it seems like people of faith are bucking the system. But in fact, when lived correctly, people are actually submitting to Jesus. And going against the grain is just a, a product of that, a byproduct of that. Um, living by faith is never just a rebellious, um, independent, contrarian spirit. You know, that's not living spiritually. God wants us to submit to authority, especially to his authority above all. And sometimes that goes against the grain. 
You know, living by faith is a stunningly powerful inner conviction about God's character and God's promises and making our decisions large and small of how we live our life based on those realities and how they press on our life. One time I heard about, uh, I heard a really cool illustration. If you, if you were to stretch a sheet across a room and you put all of the things in your life on that sheet, you know, you have your hobbies, your work, your relationships, your aspirations, all those kinds of things, you know, the, the weight of God's glory in your life should be like a bowling ball in the middle of that thing. Everything, it should go in the middle, it should sink it down, everything should move towards it. That's submission to God. That's living by faith, where the God is the weightiest thing in your life. By faith, you are believing and trusting in God's character and his authority in your life. And everything is kind of moving in that direction. But it's not rebellion. It is submission, even though it might look like rebellion. When I was praying about this sermon, the Holy Spirit kept bringing me back to this passage from Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12. And Paul says this to Timothy, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul writes those words, if you look at the context, in the midst of severe persecution and suffering that he's going through as a result of preaching the gospel because of his submission to Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul does not have rebellion in his heart towards the world or the powers of darkness or the people persecuting him. Paul has a spirit of submission to Jesus Christ based on his conviction about God's character and promises to him. And that is why Paul, like Jesus our Lord, See, it was seemingly unperturbable, you know, in his, in his suffering. Um, he, he set his face like a flint because of his submission to Jesus Christ. Paul had this beautiful spirit of submission. And uh, I don't know what all the things were that Paul is talking about in this passage, but he said he's convinced that God is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I think you could personalize this verse from 2 Timothy 1.12 for yourself. I know whom I have believed. I'm convinced that he is able to guard my future until the day that I meet with him again. I can trust him. Uh, I, can, I can entrust my children to him, to guard my children. I can entrust him with my marriage, my struggling marriage. I can entrust him with my work or lack of work. I can entrust him in, whether I'm rich or poor, whether I'm healthy or sick, that we can entrust these things to God and, and the faith stance is we know who we believe in. We know, we know God. He's made himself known. And we are convinced that he is able to keep anything that we entrust to him until the end of day. So, you know, as you can see here, defining faith is, is difficult because it's, it's, it's action that you take in the totality of your life um, based on your absolute submission to Jesus Christ and your trust in God's character and promises. Again, it's about... Faith, God being the heaviest thing on the sheet of your life and everything else moving towards it. That's, that's faith. Faith is action born from trust in God's character and God's promises, both in Scripture and maybe the ones he's made to you and spoken to you particularly. And as Hebrews says, it's, it's being sure of your hope in God and certain about God's trustworthiness and character. So we have to, we have to ask ourselves, are we living by faith this morning? Are we living by rebellion this morning? Are we living by fear this morning? You know, and the goal is to live by faith and full submission to God. It's so easy to become rebellious or fearful. 
and especially with with uh, every week the government you know people coming on and giving new regulations for how to deal with this coronavirus it's like it's so easy to just want to buck the system and call it faith but faith is submission to god um, above all other rulers and we have to make sure we're living in faith not in rebellion they can look the same faith is submission Faith is surrender of control and trust in God's character and promises. And the one who walks by faith can be kept at perfect peace with God. This is like the really good news of this sermon because when you walk by faith, when you get to that place where you're walking by faith and trusting God with, with your, everything you've submitted to him and his character and his promises, when you begin to live by faith, you can begin to live in perfect peace, which is a pretty foreign concept to anything we see in the world today, right? It says in Isaiah 26.3 how God deals with people who are faithful. And it says, God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in him. That could be a great um, picture of, of faith, I think. God will keep... Uh, in perfect peace, the person who is steadfast because they trust in him. If we are steadfast in our trust of God, he'll keep us in perfect peace. Another interesting feature of faith is that it also runs against our natural tendency to make our lives about ourselves, what we experience, and, um, and, our, and our life. You know, it, when you live by faith, it becomes less about you less about your life and what you're, what you're doing, and it becomes about what God is doing and will continue to do. This is something that um, the Holy Spirit's been teaching me from the Word of God. In Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16, after describing a list of noteworthy people of faith that we read from Abel to Jesus Christ, it says, all of these people had this one thing in common. Verse 13, all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. These people were living by faith when they died. And they considered themselves to be foreigners in the land in which they lived. It talks about Abraham uh, pitching his tent in the promised land. God had given him the promise. And here he is living there as if he's just a camper, right? God told Abraham to leave his people and go to the mountain that God would show him. This is a ridiculous thing that, had, that, that uh, Abraham went through. If it hadn't been God speaking to him, it would have seemed so reckless. But, but Abraham, um, he, in response to God's, word to him, left to go to a mountain that God would show him, uh, which is just a, a wild thought um, that without any map, without any surety about the destination, um, he went to the mountain that God showed him. And yes, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he'd later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. 
he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. That's Abraham. He was looking forward to the ultimate city. Uh, and, and everything else for him was just camping, right? And this is, this is a picture that repeats in Scripture, this idea of tenting, uh, tenting in faith in this world, um, that, that we, we are waiting for something better beyond this world. And we live our lives in faith. All of us, all, all people that are living lives of faith are living with this bigger vision than just their own life and their own self. And that's why another reason why people of faith can be at perfect peace with God, because it's not about them. It's not about their life in the here and now only, but it's about the city whose architect and builder is God, who, who says, in, it says in Hebrews that all of these people who died in their faith with the hope of coming to that city of God, they're waiting for us to join them. And we are, we are one day all going to be dwelling together. Until then, we're all camping. We're intense. We're intense. That's what we're doing. And sometimes I'm intense when I'm preaching. Sorry about that, but a little joke. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wrestled in prayer over his calling. He said, Father, if this is possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Radical submission to the Father. And God told Jesus in that garden to leave his people, to leave his earthly ministry behind in body form, to go to a mountain that God would show him. And on that mountain, Jesus gave his life for our sins on that mountain. Listen to this. And let us run with perseverance in, in Hebrews 12, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus was the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He submitted to God radically uh, to the point of giving his life uh, for us. So let's look at his example of living by faith that he provided for us as the perfect God-man as we walk towards that city whose unshakable foundation is God. Paul trusted God in the midst of of that severe persecution, as we said earlier, and, and he was in prison, beaten within an inch of his life, suffering. And it says the reason that Paul endured all of this was because he trusted that God would guard everything he entrusted to him. In 2 Timothy 1, 11 and 12, and of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. This is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Now, faith is the action. Look at these examples of going against the grain of what we see, not in rebellion, but in full submission to God, trusting God's character, trusting God's promises, even to the point of suffering and death, because we know that this world is just the beginning phase of our eternal life with God. This, this picture of, of tenting comes up again in 2 Corinthians 5. 5, 1 through 10. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, meaning our body, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because uh, when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, 
who has given us the spear as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come, guaranteeing the unshakable building that God has made for us. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are in the home, in our body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done in the body, both good or bad. Living by faith, it covers everything from our everyday decisions, which will someday be evaluated before the throne of God, on where we will receive rewards for the faith that we lived in, or, or perhaps a rebuke for, for, for um, the, t- the times we didn't. I don't, I'm not really sure what's going to happen at that throne uh, for, the, for the people who are in Christ. But there is a throne that we will stand before, where we will give an account for our life. And uh, we're saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God will evaluate our life and say, did they live by faith? Did they live by faith? When we are away from the body, we'll be present with the Lord. It is the unshakable peace that comes from trusting in God's character and his promises to us and following him in full submission against the grain of what we see in the world in which we live. Um, this, is, this is just a, a little shadow of what is to come in eternity. And God promises to keep in perfect peace the one who is steadfast because they trust in him. So faith-filled risks. Achieving God's purposes means taking faith-filled risks. This always involves change. You know, it involved change for Abraham. It involved every person in that list of faith had to do something. Faith was, was proven by her children, right? And, and the wording of this value that we have, taking faith-filled risks, we live in such a comfortable, relatively comfortable life, even during quarantine. Um, we have to remember to stay sharp and stay on the cusp uh, but underneath that faith-filled risk-taking that we do, the following God in faith, is this undergirding of trust in God, trust in his character, trust in his promises. So as we're, as we're closing today, I, I would, we used to have something at New Life called Faith Stories, where we'd open up the microphone and we'd have people from the church come and share how they were living their faith. That's why we called them Faith Stories. So with God being the weightiest thing in your life or, or you trying to live by faith, how did, you, how did you do with that this week? What did you see God do? And that's something that I was going to resume doing after this sermon. Uh, that was my big plan for us to get together and begin sharing stories of faith with one another in person here. Um, if you have a story of a faith-filled risk that you took uh, to get you from where you were to where God wanted you to be, I'd love for you to record that and send it to me. Uh, so that we can share that with each other and be encouraged by one another. Um, some of you have done that in response to my email earlier this week, but I want to hear about the role of faith in your life, how your trust in God and, and in his character and his promises led you to do some things that were maybe against the grain and submission to him in faith. I want to hear those stories. Because there, there are certainly some, some ways in my life that I'm, I'm proud to have walked by faith in, in, in a good way, like saying this, is, this was good. Um, of course, I can think of many other times when I didn't walk by faith. Everyone can. But I think it's good to celebrate the life, the things that we do that are by faith. So you could say, by faith, Nathan did this. By faith, Nathan did this. You know, you look at your life and say, you know, by faith, I did that. And as we tell these stories to one another, 
our faith can grow because we become more certain of what we hope for and what we do not see through hearing faith. That's the power of testimony. And we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I just want to, want to close sharing, sharing a couple stories just off the top of my head here um, of, some, of some ways I walked in faith in my life and saw God come through in just miraculous ways. So back in 2006, I was getting very involved at New Life Fellowship. Um, actually, I started a, a leading a small group. I, I, was, I did not volunteer to be a leader, but the actual leader um, kind of resigned from doing it, and so I took over the group. It was a young adults group. I lived um, with, my, you know, with my family about 40 minutes from here, and so I was driving in in the middle of the week into my friend's house, and he was hosting the group at his house. And so every, every, I had to come in and clean his house because it wasn't clean, and I had to prepare for group and everything, and then lead group. So I started praying, God, I really want to move to Saratoga to be, to be doing this ministry. And I really feel like you've called me to this ministry of, of New Life Fellowship. Um, I was working in warehousing at the time. Um, God opened up a way for me to get there. And then God really gave me an idea in my head to live downtown Saratoga Springs. So I prayed about this. I shared it with my small group. I said to my small group, hey, guys, I'm praying about moving to Saratoga Springs. A couple of weeks later, someone from that group said, well, I have an offer for you. There's a family from our church in Stillwater who has a room available that you could live in. And I said, well, that's, I'm going to have to turn that down in, in faith because I believe God wants me to live downtown in Saratoga Springs. Of course, the financial piece of that was insurmountable for me, um, given my job at the time. So I was trying to find roommates. I found two roommates. They both fell through. Nothing was happening. Um, I couldn't afford to, to live it, but still this vision was in my heart. And in my, in my small group, I shared this with my small group, and they said, um, so where would you like to live? And I'm like, well, I'd like to live between New Life Fellowship's building and the, and the racetrack, somewhere between there. And um, so whatever, I kind of let that, let that go. I pr- kept praying about it, but I seemed to, seemed to lose sight of it, of it possibly happening. So here's, here's how God's amazing power comes into this. This is a wild story. Uh, one of my fr- childhood friends, um, I was visit- I'm friends with the family, and I was visiting their family in Chicago, okay? So it, it's a ministry family. Dad's a pastor. Um, and I, I was friends with the sons and the daughters in this family. So I visited with them in Chicago in, uh, in 2006. This pastor and his family, who are, who are my friends, used to pastor a church in Northampton, Massachusetts. That's where their home church was. And they had moved to Chicago after that tenure in, in ministry. So I was at my friend's house in Chicago. We, we were watching a movie in the basement. I came up to get some uh, popcorn and my friend's mother was there, and she was asking me about my life. And she said, so what's going on with you? And I said, well, I feel, I feel called to, you know, do more of the church. I've been trying to get an apartment. It's not working. I can't afford it. I can't find a roommate. I'd like to, and uh, she goes, well, we have some friends from our old church in Northampton, Massachusetts, who own a place in Saratoga Springs. And the basement is empty, and they, they don't have anyone to fill it. And they just want to have a good person in there to do ministry in their house. That's their desire. This is a totally crazy story. So they, she gave me their number. I met up with them at, at the address she gave me. It was a house that was directly between the racetrack and New Life Fellowship. So my friend from Chicago, who used to live in Massachusetts, had a friend from their church in Massachusetts who had a house with an empty room that they wanted to be used for ministry in downtown Saratoga Springs. I just couldn't believe the provision of God. And that's just the beginning of God's amazing work of providing for my, me and my family as we've been seeking to minister in Saratoga Springs. But this just a mind-blowing impossible 
story where God gave me a vision and by faith, really mostly by God's work, as you can tell from the story, um, we, we took that vision and ran with it. Another time that me and Jackie were on the cusp of living by faith is when uh, we, we considered adopting my, my um, cousin's daughter. She, m- mom was unable to take care of the child. Mom and dad were not able to. And so we, we really felt like God was touching our hearts. And we actually went to, this was several years ago, went out to Pennsylvania, met with the family people there, tried, tried to work on that process. But it was something where God whispered to us and we just went in obedience to God. We already had three kids, um, but maybe God would want my cousin's daughter to be part of our family, to adopt her, to foster her. Now, it didn't end up happening and, and, and you know, it all resolved in a different way. Um, so apparently that wasn't God's, God's thing, but it was this, we were on the cusp of this faith-filled risk, you know, of doing something um, about God, something of God's. And, uh, and it, it was exciting. It's very exciting to live on the cusp of a faith-filled risk. Um, so I'd love to hear your stories of faith. You know, we need to continue in faith. We need to not let our, our love grow cold. We need to lot, not let our relationship with God go stale. You know, we need to take a faith-filled risk. Um, and even if, it, even, if it's, even if it's something as simple as meeting with God in a different way or trying a different kind of prayer or reaching out to somebody when you normally wouldn't, something against the grain that God's calling you to do, that you do based on your trust in God's character and his promises. So I'd love to hear those stories. And I want to bless you. You know, this is an exciting life that we live. We, it's a living God and a living hope. And God is at work. And God's at work in all of us, regardless of, you know, how holy we might be or how much Bible verses we might know or how long we've been a Christian. You know, God desires to work in the life of every person who will submit to him. And he desires to do great things. Um, things that you couldn't possibly do on your own, but that he can do as you trust him in faith. Faith-filled risks are the only way from getting where we are to where God wants us to be. This always involves change. I want to bless you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, I bless you. New Life Fellowship, I bless you, uh, internet audience. I pray for a filling of the Spirit. I pray for an impartation of faith. I pray that we would become those people, those people who are living in submission to God, doing something different than the grain of this world, uh, living for the bigger story, hoping for a better city, trusting in God, trusting in his character and his promises. People of faith, I bless you. That faith, the substance of what uh, you hope for, the certainty of what you do not see would be in you, and you would find ways to express it in your actions and follow God. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church. Stay safe. God bless.